0: the following program is a production of the Barroom network it is intended for all audiences doug buffone this defense sucks this is moronic
1: john buffone if your best run plays are coming off end of rounds, there's a problem
0: doug was behind the microphone first he never held back Very difficult to score when your offense is on the bench. When your defense is out there giving up 70, 80, 70, 64-yard drives.
1: Now, it's his nephew, John,
0: and there's no holding this buffoon back
1: either. The biggest thing that affected Justin Fields was a coaching change, and now he has an offensive coordinator, and he actually will fit a scheme to the quarterback, something we have not seen in a long time. I've had it. I have had it. I want somebody to get kicked in the ass. When I see Twitter polls and national media and fans weighing in on who is going to have the number one overall pick in the 2023 draft, and I see people commenting, Chicago, and it's not even close, then yeah, you know what? I'm going to get a little defensive.
0: I got my ass whipped many times, but I tell you, I took somebody down with me.
1: I don't think the Bears are a two to three win team. So to answer your question, no. The Bears aren't going to be the worst team in the NFL. It's buffoon. 55 the john buffone show right they're not the worst team in the league hello and welcome to another edition of buffone 55 a fast-paced approach and breaking down those chicago bears i'm john buffone and with me tonight is everyone's favorite barkeeper aldo gandia aldo how you doing tonight big news by the way the bears dealt robert quinn today to the philadelphia eagles for a fourth round pick quinn of course uh set the bears sack record last year with 18 and a half sacks but only one so far this season we're gonna have a lot more on that later how are you feeling
0: i'm feeling good i'm a little disappointed with the return uh of robert quinn i i you know i wish it could have been a higher pick or or flipping towards a higher round trading a third for a second or a second for a first that the eagles have two first rounders but we'll talk more about that i'm really fired up for today's show and uh Alyssa is super busy covering the robert quinn use yeah. so she couldn't make it tonight and i'm happy to fill in
1: yeah, she's all about breaking news. She's probably churned out 7 articles so far. So make sure you <laughs> check out all of Alyssa's work that she keeps putting out uh, left and right. no look, the good news is the Bears don't have any more primetime games. The better news is the last vision people will have of the Bears in primetime is a shellacking of the Patriots 33 to 14 on Monday night and improving to 3 and 4. Obviously, I wasn't on the uh, the post-game show. How did you feel after that?
0: You know, uh, it was one of the more satisfying wins in recent memory. Probably the most satisfying before that was the 2018 win over the Green Bay Packers at Soldier Field that clinched the NFC North. Uh, And since then, we really haven't had a victory of that magnitude. Now, having said that, you know, there's better be a lot more of these to come (laughs) because (laughs)
1: ours low. But they actually they actually eclipsed it for once. They didn't fall <laughs> underneath it. So That's baby right. steps, we'll take what we can get. But we <laughs> but listen, we're on, we're on to Dallas. We're on to Dallas. Aldo, we got an awesome guest lined up tonight mm-hmm. to get us ready for Dak Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys. But just in case this is someone's first time listening or watching Buffon fifty-five, Aldo, tell them what we do around here and what we've been doing around here for the last six years.
0: Sounds good. I will do that. Um, First of all, Buffon 55 is separated into three segments. We always begin with our guest interview, and this week we're talking to David Howman, who covers the Cowboys for Blogging the Boys. That's followed by our B55 segment, where I ask John five questions, and his responses must be completed within 55 seconds. Of course, The 55 is John's way of paying tribute to the great Doug Buffon, his uncle, my boyhood hero, his mentor, and man who played 15 seasons for the Bears and wore number 55. And then we finish things up with our free-for-all Buffon's basement. There's a lot of stuff to talk about, so after the B55 is when I jump back in with John and we'll ask those questions. Right now, I'm going to turn it over to Mr. Buffon. Take it away with your one-on-one interview.
1: Thank you, Aldo. Like you said, our guest tonight covers the Cowboys for blogging the boys. David Howman joins the phone 55. David, how you doing? Appreciate you being on.
2: I'm doing great. Real excited to be here. Thanks for having me.
1: Absolutely. And this is a this is an interesting matchup because uh both both teams, you know, in search of a win, maybe they have different uh finish lines or at least different goals for the end of the season, but still an interesting matchup. So I want to start off with this in a in a shocking twist that really no one saw coming. The NFC East has been one of the most competitive divisions in the NFL. Uh so far, the Cowboys sitting at 5 and 2, they're in I believe third place. So, what are your thoughts on this NFC East resurgent and is Dallas living up to expectations and the, and the division is just better than they expected, or are they falling under expectations or is it too early to know?
2: Well, it definitely feels almost like it's too good to believe with, with the division as a whole. Um, I I keep waiting for the giants to end up losing one of these games. Obviously their one loss has come to the Cowboys, Um, but all of these games, they seem to come from behind at the very end. And it feels like eventually it's going to fall off, but they, so far they haven't. And then the Eagles have been just, phenomenal to start the start the season. Um as for the Cowboys, I think they they have kind of exceeded expectations a little bit especially because Dak Prescott was out. Um not not really a whole lot of people had high expectations once Dak went down in that first week and Cooper Rush went 4 and 1 as a starter and now Dak Prescott is back and they got the win against the Lions last week. So, um definitely It feels like they're in a good spot, but they're also definitely going to have to keep it up because this NFC East is surprisingly so competitive.
1: And the Eagles got a little bit better today with the trade uh, for Robert Quinn. Do you anticipate there being any reactionary move from the Cowboys where it's just like, oh, you're going to go get Robert Quinn? Well, we're going to go get whoever. Do you anticipate them being uh, any kind of – because, you know – Jerry's a wild card. You never know what's going to happen in Dallas. So uh, could could we expect any kind of moves out of Dallas to say, well, if you're going to get Robert Quinn, we're going to do this.
2: Um, well, I, I never never doubt Jerry Jones because he's, he's, like you said, he's a wild card. Um, but the Cowboys generally don't seem to make a whole lot of trades in season. They did make a trade yesterday uh, trading for defensive tackle Jonathan Hankins from the Raiders. Um, And that was a move to kind of shore up their run defense, especially going into this week against the Bears, who have a really good run game. Um, So I don't know if we'll see them end up making two moves before the trade deadline, but you can never really put it past them.
1: Absolutely. And you you kind of talked about earlier Dak Prescott back. He did return last week uh, after breaking his thumb back in week one. How did he look in his return? Because there was this manufactured, you know, possible quarterback controversy with uh, Cooper Rush. Of course, the owner and GM didn't do him any favors by kind of feeding into that. But uh, how did Dak look in his return? And should Bears fans expect any kind of rust going into this into this game?
2: Um, well, in his game against the Lions, he definitely looked like he had a little bit of rust in in the first quarter. Um, the Cowboys went without a touchdown in that whole first half, and then they really turned it on in the second half. So I think a lot of that was because he was still kind of getting in a rhythm. Um, and a lot of these receivers, he hasn't, he didn't play in the preseason. So he didn't have time really working with them aside from week one. Um, so he he definitely looked a little bit rusty to start the game, but as things went on, he started to look more like the Dak Prescott that we've seen in recent years. He had a couple of really impressive throws um just kind of winging it right over the shoulder of a a linebacker fitting into cd lamb between two defenders um so as we go forward with with the bears and granted their defense has played a lot better than the lions has so far this season um but I, i think probably he's probably gotten past that point of the rust and he's got a little bit more chemistry with the rest of his receivers at this point so it'll be interesting to see going into that matchup
1: uh, let's just throw it right to a user question right off the bat here. This one comes from Cliff Victoria. Are the Cowboys uh, a little more worried with the Zeke injury now, and how will that play into some of their game plan?
2: Um, it, it's always hard to gauge. Mike McCarthy, the head coach, he really likes to be—he uh, really likes to play it close to the vest with with injury news. Um, he's generally been fairly cautious with injuries. So with the Cowboys having a bye week next week that leads me to believe they might just want to sit Zeke for this week and have him fully healthy when they come out of the buy. Um, but even if they do go that route, their other running back Tony Pollard is arguably even better. He's he's definitely more explosive. He's more of a threat in the passing game. Um, and they've been talking at the early part of this week. Can he hold up with a full load of, of carries if he's the main guy and everybody has been exuding confidence? Of course, what else are they going to say? But I mean, when he gets the ball, he makes things happen. He's much more of a home th- home run threat, whereas Zeke is more of the the punishing between the tackles kind. Um, so either way, I think they're probably going to be in good shape with their running game, but obviously they'd like to have that one-two punch.
1: Uh, another user comment here from NanoCBD. The Cowboys ranked 13th in the league rushing the ball. Can you kind of explain why the run production has been off, given the fact that they had a they had a backup in there, and you think that they would rely on that running game a lot more, uh, but it didn't seem like they had fully went to the run game. But uh, wh- what has been um, kind of the, uh, the issue with the run production? Because you said, and it's true, two really talented running backs in the backfield. Has that offensive line been un- uh, underachieving?
2: Um, they, they've had a little bit of inconsistency with the offensive line. They, they have a rookie at left tackle in Tyler Smith and they're starting left guard, Connor McGovern. This is his first full year as a starter. Even then they've been rotating him in and out with Jason Peters, who they acquired right before the start of the season. Um, so there is some level of just a lack of experience on that line. Part of it is also just because they have had Cooper rush, you know, defenses have been loading the box more. So that is, you know, impacted to a degree how much success they can have running the ball. But um, what I've noticed is when they have – when everything's perfectly blocked on a run play, like, they go for big gains. So it's it's one of those deals where they're facing a lot of tight boxes right now, but when they get a good – when they execute the run play the way it's supposed to, it looks real beautiful. Um, so with Dak Prescott coming back, defenses aren't going to be able to load the box as much um, – The thought is, the hope is that that really just makes the run game explode even more.
1: Let's talk about some of those weapons on the outside. CD Lamb took the reins as the number 1 receiver in Dallas this year. What have been the early returns and the reports on CD Lamb and this wide receiving core as a whole because there was a lot of questions about this uh about this group going into the season. You lose uh well Gallup was hurt uh, going into the year. Uh you, you deal Amari Cooper and you're not really you have a rookie that could be stepping up into a prominent position. So what's what's kind of the uh the overall report on this wide receiving group specifically uh CD Lamb?
2: Yeah, C.D. Lamb, has he's been good. Um, I think the general consensus is that he hasn't been great yet. He hasn't shown it yet. Now, you know, the, the caveat there is he's played most of the season with Cooper Rush. Most of his experience so far has been with Dak Prescott. So how is that going to change now that Prescott's throwing the ball again? You know, Remains to be seen. He had a good game against Detroit, but also the Lions were definitely focusing on him more in the past game. Um, but he's, you know, he's shown flashes throughout this season where he looks like he can be that that dominant guy that they want him to be. But he hasn't quite put it all together yet. Um, outside of him, Michael Gallup, as you mentioned, he was hurt to start the season. He came back and he is, you know, he, he's playing well, but he definitely isn't quite back to 100 percent yet. Kind of to be expected. Um, and then Noah Brown has really come out of nowhere. Uh, he's been a longtime special teams guy mostly uses a blocking wide receiver for much of his time in Dallas. And he's had a really strong year as an actual receiver and making a lot of big plays, big catches, although he did fumble in the red zone last week against the Lions. But he's been surprisingly effective, and that's part of the reason why their third-round rookie, Jalen Tolbert, hasn't seen the field hardly at all.
1: Uh, another pass catcher people were pretty high on, at least from the uh, the the fantasy football realm, was uh, Dalton Schultz, the tight end. Uh, also dealing with an injury, what's his status for Sunday, and if he is able to go, what can Bears fans expect?
2: Um, well, he's been uh, he's been playing banged up. He has a, a partial PCL tear, so those are kind of it, it's one of those things where you can play through it, but also when it hurts, it makes it really difficult to play through it. Um, so when he first Got that injury. He missed a week, came back for two games, and then ended up being a an inactive against Philadelphia two weeks ago. So they're kind of just taking it case by case, and and he isn't playing a full load of snaps. Um, so I would expect that he'll probably still be playing against Chicago, but he might not be uh, necessarily on there for on the field for every snap. Um, but they they have two rookie tight ends behind him in in Jake Ferguson and Peyton Hendershot that have really stepped up as well uh ferguson got a touchdown catch two weeks ago hendershot got one this past week um so they they have a really surprisingly good tight end room that's stepping up with the injury for schultz and uh throughout his career Dak has really liked his tight end so that's gonna be a a big factor against this defense
1: uh let's switch sides of the ball now i want to go to another user question luke asks how effective can the bears be at stopping Parsons with chips and double teams? Obviously Micah Parsons is someone that requires a lot more attention. So uh, has anyone been effective against him this year and what have they done to do that?
2: Uh, I mean, Micah Parsons is just utterly phenomenal and it's, it's insane and it's a real pleasure getting to watch him every week. Um, I think the only team that has really had much of any success against him so far this year was the Eagles. And and a big part of that was they pretty much built their whole RPO game around targeting Parsons. And, uh, you know, they they really have a unique personnel to do that because they have Jalen Hurts and he's such a mobile quarterback and he's good throwing on the run. The lions definitely did not try to replicate that because Jared Goff is not Jalen Hurts. Um, But Justin Fields has a very similar skill set, So I'm going to be very curious to see if, if Chicago tries and emulates that. Um, But even in that Philadelphia game, it, it worked really well in neutralizing him for the first half. And then in the second half, Dan Quinn, the defensive coordinator, got in, made some adjustments, and Parsons had a huge game in the second half and had uh, had a couple sacks. So um, it, it's not really – he's not someone that you can necessarily stop, but you can kind of contain him for for bits and pieces here and there.
1: Another question from the chat room comes from Jordan and in true Jordan uh, faction, he was able to get nine questions into one comment here, but let's just start with, uh, do you think uh, Hankins comes in and actually plays this week? What's the report on Tristan Hill? And let's just move to that last one where, what do you think Dan Quinn can do to corral some of Justin Fields runs? Cause he was very effective running the ball on designed runs last week. Uh, What do you think that uh, the Cowboys can do there? So take your pick at uh, all three of those (laughs) questions.
2: Um. Well, I, I, th- I would expect Hankins does come in and play. Uh, he, he probably is not going to be on the field for every snap, especially because he just got here. But, uh, I mean, his, his role is very simple. He's going to be a uh, space-eating nose tackle, and that really doesn't require a whole lot of knowledge with the scheme. Like, he is good at what he does, and that's why they got him, and he's going to fill in and do his role. Um, Tristan Hill has been a really pleasant surprise. He's been somebody that uh, – over in Cowboys land, we all kind of wrote off in the off season and thought he was probably either going to be a trade candidate or might even just get cut at at the end of preseason. Um, He's actually, he's caught on and he's got a a recurring role as a pass rusher. And even this past week against the Lions was a big part of their run defense in the middle. Um, So he's really blossoming after having a kind of rough start to his career. Um, And then as far as how they're going to how they're going to try and stop Justin Fields, especially after this last week where he really started using his legs. Um, In in the game against Philadelphia where they had kind of a similar challenge with Jalen Hurts being such a mobile quarterback, they used one of their safeties, Donovan Wilson, as sort of a a spy. And they really played him in more of a robber role, but with his priority being watching the quarterback and if he starts taking off to go after him. Um, Obviously, the Cowboys lost that game. Defensively, it was their worst performance of the game of the season, but they still you know they, they were able to uh, to hold the Eagles in check better than most teams have. So I would imagine we'll see a similar approach there with Wilson. He's a very rangy safety, very good tackler. so that would make sense. but Dan Quinn is also one of those coordinators that he just comes up with the craziest stuff. so who knows he might throw something completely new at us.
1: And you said you bring you bring in Hankins to try to solidify that run defense. Obviously, the Bears are going to try to run the football with both Khalil Herbert and David Montgomery. Uh, do you anticipate there being more success for the Bears on the ground, uh, given what you've seen so far, even with reinforcements coming in?
2: Yeah, I would imagine the the Bears will be able to have some success. The run defense has really been the 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 bigger weakness for this Dallas defense so far. Um they they were able to get some favorable results against both Detroit and Philadelphia the last two weeks. Um so it has been trending in the right direction for them and the thought is bringing in Hankins will, you know, finish shoring that up. But I mean, the Bears are a really good run team. I've been really impressed watching them so far this year and the way that they've been able to to create space for both of those running backs and they both run with so much conviction that um I think if, if there's an area where the Bears can really pull off the upset, it's going to be through the running game and through really just just committing to it. Um, of course, the other challenge there is on the other side, the defense has to prevent Dak Prescott and the offense from getting off to a hot start to where you aren't forced to abandon the run. But I think that that's definitely an opportunity for Chicago.
1: Uh, another question about Micah Parsons from the chat room this one's from Luke again is Parsons good against the run and can the Bears take advantage of his aggressiveness by running at him now listen I've been watching Micah Parsons since he was a you know a high schooler in Harrisburg I'm from Central Pennsylvania I've seen him play in high school he was a run- he ran the ball uh, obviously watched him at Penn State he's an athletic freak uh but is there is there any opportunity there to take advantage of that aggressiveness and try to uh you know misdirection or whatever have you or is he just controlled enough where he can just make up ground
2: he's 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 pretty good at at controlling himself and and there's been several times throughout the season already where like on the snap he'll run himself out of position but then he realizes it so quickly he cuts back up and runs downfield Um, just this last week against the lions, they had, uh, they had a run that went all the way down to the one yard line and it would have gone for a touchdown, except Parsons was able to turn back from, from the play was at about the 20 and he was able to run back and catch him at the one yard line. Very next play lions fumbled it. Cowboys recovered at the goal line, huge turn of events in the game. And it all started because Parsons has that kind of makeup speed. So even when he does find himself in a rare position of over pursuing he just, he has the makeup speed where he just compensates for it, um, so it's it's one of the things that makes him such a hard player to go against because it's like even when you get him, he's still not out of the play.
1: For sure. And he's he's a joy to watch, except whenever your team is playing against him. And then it's not exactly. so much of a joy to watch. But he is he's an incredible athlete, incredible player. Uh, can you give us a quick rundown of the secondary in Dallas? Because I'm sure the Bears and Bears fans would love to see some explosive plays because they're going to have to put up some points to win this one. Uh, and you, you, and if, you, if you're the underdog, as right now, the Bears are sitting at a nine and a half point underdog. Some of those explosive plays can make all the difference. Uh, will there be any opportunity uh, against the secondary in Dallas?
2: Um there there just might be. And um I'll actually go ahead and give props to Nikhil Harry. I actually uh he went to the same high school as me out in Arizona, so name um, drop I've gotten to see him and also my alma mater at Arizona State. So I've been been a big nice. fan of him. Um and yeah, he came back uh against the Patriots and is kind of ramping up. But he's he's one of those big vertical threats that can be really physical at the at the point of the catch. Um but with this secondary, Trayvon Diggs is a ball hawk. Anytime you throw it his way, you're risking potentially throwing an interception. Uh and uh, he gave up a lot of yards last year in coverage, and he's really cleaned that up this year. Um, but one area for for possible exploitation by the Bears, their uh their starting slot corner, Jordan Lewis, got an injury this past week and he's out for the year. So in his place, it's likely expected to be uh rookie Daron Bland, who um Actually did get a a surprise start a few weeks ago when Lewis aggravated his hamstring right before kickoff. Bland ended up playing pretty well. He had a game-sealing interception at the end of that one. Um, But again, he's still a rookie, so you never really know what you can expect. And I would even venture to say that uh, Justin Fields is is a more dangerous threat than Carson Wentz, which is who he was playing against. Um, so I think it's thank it's you. a taller task. <laughs> yeah, thank um, you for that. <laughs> yeah, so uh, that that'll be that'll probably be something I'll be watching closely to see how the Bears attack him, and I would expect that they'll throw at him a lot and just kind of test to see where his level of preparedness is. Uh, but in general, this secondary has been doing a great job. A lot of it starts up front though with that pass rush because quarterbacks their process just gets sped up so much that it really makes life easier on the secondary.
1: Uh, another user question, this one's more along the lines of the Dallas media, which is always an interesting ask, ask. Uh, are they, how do they feel about the Bears as, as an opponent, and I want to expand on that just a little bit, because I don't know if they're really talking about the Bears that much this week, but what, what is the, the biggest talking point around the, uh, the uh, Dallas Cowboys, is it the underachieving, is it the quarterback, is it Mike McCarthy, what seems to be the, uh, the, the main uh, talking points in Dallas as far as the media goes?
2: Um, well, I mean, with how much attention there always is on the Cowboys, we're never short on talking points. Um, but I would say probably the biggest through line so far for this season has just been how surprisingly good they've looked in all phases, especially because of the injury with Dak. Um, although with him coming back now, so much is focused on, uh, him coming back, how he played. Um, and of course there's, there's some people that still take the the track of he didn't actually look that good. You know, he missed this one throw and, um, you know, he, he's not completely healthy, which is, you know, it happens. Um, but uh, I, I think it's been kind of surprisingly positive so far, which which we're not really used to with the Cowboys. Generally, there's always something to find to, to really complain about. Um, and so far it seems like they're doing a lot of things right. And you just kind of worry – you know, is the other shoe going <laughs> to drop at this point?
1: Yeah, we we understand that feeling in Chicago all too well. Uh, <laughs> uh, before we get you out of here, the, like I said, Cowboys currently nine and a half point favorites. So, uh, double ended question here: uh, What's your prediction for the game, and do the do the uh, Cowboys cover that nine and a half points?
2: That's a good question. Um, I well, my my prediction is that it'll it'll probably be closer than, than that point spread. So I don't think that they'll cover. Um, I do think that the Cowboys probably will win just because they, you know, I, I want to give props to the bears because I think that they've got a lot of good things going right now and they look really impressive against the Patriots. Um, Matt Eberflew's coach for seven seasons in Dallas. And I'm, I'm a big fan of him and everything that he brings to the table. Um, I think they are definitely headed in the right direction, but the Cowboys so far this season have played like one of the better teams in the NFC. I think that they'll end up coming out with a win, but they're going to definitely have their hands full.
1: And one more user question before we cut you loose. This one's from J2K. He says, David, I heard Jerry Jones had a bit of a dust-up with uh, Robert Kraft at the owners meeting, uh, which I believe on his interview he said he handled in poor taste or something of that nature or he handled poorly. Uh, any insight on what that was all about?
2: um i from what i heard that was uh that was a case of they were kind of arguing over whether or not to give roger goodell an extension as commissioner um jerry and roger have never really gotten along they don't see eye to eye and jerry wants a new commissioner which um gains him some fans from from time to time (laughs) um so i think that was the the main driver there but jerry he always has things where he says something and then a few minutes later he has to end up taking it back.
1: Yeah, that, that uh, You know what? It, it, like you said, it keeps things interesting in Dallas. You never have a dull moment. You always have something to talk about, especially whenever you have an owner that basically he goes, he has his own, you know, interview spot the day after the game. And he's also your GM. And so he's a very charismatic guy. He's been doing it for a long time. So, uh, you know, it, like it, it's good for you. It's good. It's good for it's good for the media. So I, I can't I can't fault you for that. But hey, uh, before before we get you out of here, can you tell our listeners and our viewers how they can listen and read? your work and what you're working on and how they can interact you with it with uh, interact with you on social media and all that good stuff.
2: Yeah. So, uh, I'm, I'm on Twitter at, uh, underscore DH 44 underscore. I have to bracket it with those, uh, underscores. Um, and you can read my stuff at bloggingtheboys.com, putting out articles, usually at least once every day. Um, Cowboys always give us stuff to talk about. So I'm never short on that. And then, uh, Every now and then I'm making guest appearances on various podcasts in our Blogging the Boys podcast network, which is available on the website, on Spotify, and also on our YouTube channel.
1: Excellent stuff. David Howman covering the Cowboys for Blogging the Boys. We appreciate you being on. And like I tell every guest that comes on Buffon 55, we will talk to you when the Bears and Cowboys inevitably meet in the NFC Championship game.
2: Can't wait for it. Thank you for having me.
1: All right, take care. We'll be back with more Buffon 55 right after this.
0: Sunday's at the Bar Room. We start off with Mike North and Aldo Gandia on the early Bears special. And then it's five Bears fanatics on the Barfly Tailgate Show. That's followed by fantasy football advice from two fantasy football experts. And at halftime and after every Bears game, it's Bear Football. Subscribe to the Bar Room Network now. Welcome back to Buffon 55. This is the moment we've been waiting for. The moment called B55. That's where I ask John five questions. He has 55 seconds to respond to each question. And John, if I look a little startled... When we came back from the break, it's because I realized I forgot to load my fifty-five second clock. So, which is a
1: pretty important part of this show, Aldo. Uh, well,
2: this hard, segment, especially, right?
1: hard to do B fifty-five without the fifty-five. In that case, it's just B, and it's just me speaking into the air with, with no time.
0: I could, um, I could count to fifty-five.
1: Oh yeah let's just take it all the way back you can hold you have a. you have a 1995 uh phone in your office you can just hold up an alarm clock when i can look like that yeah we're really cutting edge because we're really in, really investing into this <laughs> right. new age media
0: yeah. <laughs> take one step back one step forward with our graphics and stuff and two steps back with the director screwing things up yep. The hell uh, all right, let's get right into this. Uh, John, I know uh, you could not unfortunately be with us to celebrate the Bears' big victory on Monday for, on uh, Bear football, so I wanted to get your impressions on the uh, on, on the big victory. Now, the only thing is that I'm giving you just 55 seconds, so anytime you're ready, go for it. <laughs> uh,
1: are you sure? Uh, no. Well, going into the game, I was afraid I wasn't going to be able to stay awake, but then they jump out to the double digit lead. And of course, my group chat filled with all of my degenerate friends from Pennsylvania are just going nuts because they're live betting the game and they can't believe and they're getting all pumped up that they're taking the Patriots and they're getting some points and they're going all in on the Patriots coming back and then they start sounding smarter than they look because Bailey Zappi comes in and leads the Patriots to two touchdowns but then the stars align the planets begin circling each other something goes into retrograde and an equinox happens and the Bears just start taking it to the Patriots they're Moving the ball and scoring touchdowns. The defense is stifling the Patriots and creating turnovers. It was just an awesome fun game to watch. You know, it's been a while since it was just straight up fun to watch the majority of a Bears game. And I said a couple weeks ago, I just want them to win a primetime game. They're not supposed to win. I'm pretty proud of that performance.
0: Yeah, they gave us a lot to be proud of. You know, I do a segment for on the Dan and Aldo Tuesday night show where i mash up a lot of the media reactions so usually it's mostly local media uh but this time i wanted to add some of the national media to see what they were talking about because of course they had us uh, six feet under before even the very first game and it was unbelievable to hear some of them talk about how good the Bears looked and how sorry they were that there weren't going to be any more national TV games, and you know the Justin Fields is emerging and and this is fantastic. Whereas you know not too long ago, they they had us uh, uh, Owen seventeen. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and I'm glad that they, it was the last primetime that they're gonna that they're gonna be seen on, just because that'll be the lasting taste that the, you know the the national pundits have to grasp onto, because they're not gonna watch any more Bears games, but they're gonna remember what the, the, the whenever they form an opinion, they're gonna think of the last time they actually watched them, and it's gonna be this Monday night game where they you know took it to Belichick and you know they look great. Justin Fields doesn't look like a bust anymore, you know, and of course I'm just <laughs> I'm paraphrasing what we've heard all throughout the year. So uh, it was it was great on a lot of levels.
0: Yes, it was, and I agree with Cliff. Uh, His note says uh, Bears showed us the future on that Monday night football game. I hope so. I hope so, too. Let's get to question number two. In addition to winning the game, the Bears' young quarterback also seemed to take a big step forward. Justin Fields had a strong performance going 13 of 21 for 179 yards with a touchdown and just one interception, but he also rushed for 14, uh, 14 carries for 82 yards and a touchdown. John, was this the breakout performance that we've been waiting for in the Justin Fields Chicago Bears career? Your 55 seconds starts now.
1: Well, I think what we saw was a young quarterback becoming more comfortable amongst chaos. I think the play calling helped. He had something like 12 design runs, and he was the leading rusher in the game. And that's not a bad thing, by the way. Why not let the most athletic guy on the field pass and run. And maybe those runs allowed him to settle down within the game because he made some real nice passes. He was able to move the chains, made pretty good decisions, and they moved the pocket for him. That screen to Herbert that resulted in a touchdown where he pumped and then kind of side-armed it to avoid the defender, that was brilliant. And then the hit he took, which you could make the case that that should have been roughing the passer, shows that this kid is tough as nails. So I think this was a breakout game for Justin Fields, but I think it was also a breakout for the offensive coaching staff, understanding that they have this incredible athletic commodity at quarterback that can break a game open with his legs, which can open up things in the passing game. I'm curious to see how they continue to scheme things as the season progresses.
0: Yeah, I, that's that's a great final point there. How they scheme things moving forward? Are they going to continue these pre-designed plays? You know, a lot of people are concerned the wear and tear it's going to take. I cut a lot of tape uh, earlier today for uh, Danny Shiman's Bear Truth show, uh, 9 p.m. Central today. He's going to look at Justin Fields and his progression. And I and I added some of these pre-designed run plays. For the most part, he was getting out of bounds or sliding and, and not hit. There were a couple of draw plays up the middle where there was some contact. So I ask you, how concerned are you that if they continue to run him anywhere between seven to a dozen plays Pre-designed plays. How concerned are you about his longevity?
1: Uh, About as concerned as I am about being in front of a bad offensive line taking those hard sacks. And so (laughs) uh, I think that whenever you're taking a sack and you're not expecting the hit, that hurts a hell of a lot more than whenever you're designed to run the ball and you have time to brace yourself. Uh, So if they, if if they, you know, really harp on protecting yourself we're gonna we're gonna call you run plays but get your ass out of bounds or you will slide don't try to be a hero every week I think that or every every run uh that this is fine I mean we've seen we've seen guys who are mobile be able to have a, a good amount of those design runs you want to yeah I'm a, I, I don't want to seem like a hypocrite because I said I was afraid about his health taking all those sacks uh, mm-hmm. and then you're like go ahead and run the ball uh, but, but I, I also understand that if you have that ability, don't take it away. When you have a big 6'3 guy, 230 pounds, who can run a 4'4, don't just pretend like he doesn't. Don't pretend like he's Nick Foles back there either. So uh just make sure you take care of yourself. That's all I'm gonna that's all I'm gonna plead.
0: Indeed. Uh Luke has a good point. He says he thinks that Fields may be taking less punishment on the design runs than than he was getting hit while passing, uh, just sort of like what you said, John, and he really hasn't taken so many shots when tucking the ball. So I agree. I mean, I think that there is a certain level of uh, caution when it's a pre-designed play because when they're installing those plays, you know those coaches are saying, remember to go down remember to slide remember to get out of bounds remember you know they're they're offering caution and and when and when it's he's just scrambling around and and almost in a panic you know sometimes you you slide a little too late or you slide incorrectly your head's up high you get hit and so forth um I, I I think, and I said this during the Matt Nagy era, when they stopped running Mitchell Trubisky, I'm like, his legs are better than his accuracy with his arm. Why aren't they running him more? And so I, I understand preserving your quarterback, but if you've got that weapon, well, especially a young quarterback who's learning the game of a quarterback in the NFL, you really should use it. So And,
1: and, and Aldo, those are backbreakers for a defense especially whenever you have receivers like the Bears do and you, you have great coverage and you're getting pressure and all of a sudden this kid spins out it's third and 13 and he runs for 15. those are killers those are th- those keep the momentum up for the offense and those are just backbreakers for a defense whenever you think you have great coverage you have the perfect call and all of a sudden there goes the quarterback and he runs for 15 yards and he's moving the chain so uh, if you have it why why not use it and but let's not I, with the caveat,
0: don't be reckless. <laughs> yes, exactly. Always that caveat. Yes. Let's stay on the topic of Justin Fields. With that victory Monday, he's now 3-0 and against the quarterbacks that were taken in the same draft class as him. Given the performance and status of those other quarterbacks, are you more or less confident that Justin Fields will be the long-term guy in Chicago? 55 seconds starts now.
1: Well, for those who are unaware, Justin Fields has beaten Trey Lance, Davis Mills, and Mac Jones kind of. And he gets his crack at uh, Zach Wilson and the Jets in a little over a month. But this class hasn't exactly been lighting the league on fire. Trevor Lawrence is solid, uh, but he really does have the luxury of playing in Jacksonville. The Jags fly under the radar with the low expectations and a small media market. He's playing fine. Nine touchdowns, four picks, and he's eighth in the league in passing yards. But he also has 100 more passing attempts than Justin Fields does. The Jets are winning, but they're doing everything to hide Zach Wilson he has one touchdown and two picks this year and hasn't thrown a touchdown or a pick in the last four games and Trey Lance is just an incomplete at this point he hasn't played meaningful football in years and now he's hurt and I'm not sure what the 49ers plan is Mac Jones well we saw how that's playing out in New England he's near the bottom in touchdown to interception ratio touchdown percentage interception percentage and passer rating so you know what I feel pretty good about Justin Fields progression
0: I do too, and there's the button. I I absolutely do too. Uh, you know, it, it. there was a time in the National Football League where quarterbacks would sit for a couple of years, even first-round quarterbacks, and uh, look at Aaron Rodgers. I think he sat, sat for two and a half years, three seasons, mm-hmm. and that gave the time, the necessary time, to develop these quarterbacks. Now, you know, they've adopted a lot of the college offenses to help expedite that growth in quarterbacks but it's still the nfl you're still playing guys who are a lot faster the playbook is still thicker than the one in college football and so it takes time for some players it takes a little more time than than other players but it is so encouraging to see that justin fields is learning on the job and he's starting to feel more relaxed maybe those breathing exercises from the yoga class are uh, taking hold i was making fun of him last week on one of our shows but you know, maybe maybe everything is pointing upwards. I'm 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 keeping my fingers crossed.
1: Well well, here's the what? other thing about that, Aldo, is now teams are trying to capitalize as much as possible on those rookie contracts. So whenever they bring in a rookie quarterback, they are trying to just they're trying to win in that window before they have to pay the guy two hundred million dollars, and so they can they can they can win with a young quarterback who's playing well, and he and if he's playing well his first season, then you can go and spend a ton on the offensive line and the wide receivers, and then on the defensive pass rush and whatever you want to spend the money on because the quarterback's making peanuts. But as mm-hmm. soon as he gets that, you know, after that fifth year option or franchise tag or whatever, and he's and if he really is a top ten or he doesn't, you know, he can be Kirk Cousins even, and you, you get paid, uh, you know a ton of money then you got to start thinking what are we shaving off from the payroll so i think that there's the idea is let's throw those guys in there now because we got four maybe five years of paying this guy nothing let's see mm-hmm. if we can win a super bowl by surrounding him with the elite talent before we have to pay him and then not be able to pay anybody else
0: yep sounds like a good plan to me all right question number 4 on the other side of the ball the two rookie defensive backs put their stamps on this game Jaquan Brisker made 5 tackles with an incredible interception of Mac Jones and Kyler Gordon essentially he put the exclamation point on the game with his fourth quarter pick of Bailey Zappi I can't I will never get used to saying that name anyway John is this the future of the Bears defensive backfield or what I mean really is 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 the is the future of the Bears defensive backfield Uh, in place now 55 seconds
1: well, when you look at this unit, you have Jalen Johnson, Eddie Jackson, who has been rejuvenated in this particular defense, uh, Jaquan Brisker, Kyler Gordon, hell, throw Kendall Vildor in there. But my point is you have two guys in Johnson and Jackson who are established veterans, although Johnson's only 23, which is wild to think about. And I think Jaquan Brisker is actually a day older than Jalen Johnson. But at any rate, you have a great balance of experience and youth and athleticism. I know Kyler Gordon's under a microscope because there's this odd dynamic that he's the guy they picked over George Pick- so because the offense was struggling so much they, that there's more heat on Kyler Gordon, which is kind of crazy. But uh, if you want to if you want to look at it at that point, if you want to look at it from that point, I'm all ears. Looks like Pickens going to be a menace. But let's look at what cannot be changed. It looks like the Bears won't have to heavily invest in the defensive backfield for quite some time, at least from a draft capital standpoint. You're allowed to be excited about that. You're allowed to uh, be excited about what they got in the defensive backfield.
0: Yep. You know, uh, John, uh, this team is three and four. I don't know if they would have three victories if they didn't have the type of defense that they have, you know, this defense really has kept them in every game and uh, is a big part of the victories that they've had. So you know, you have to You had to invest on both sides uh, of the football. And so the Bears chose to go defense first. I don't think they did it because it's the Chicago Bears and their history of having great defenses. I think it was truly, as Ryan Poe said, they paid attention to the board. They had a need at cornerback and safety. The board said these are the two best players and probably the, the wide receivers who they had close to that, they – they waited and decided to go with the defensive backfield. I'm glad that they did. I would have supported, of course, any wide receiver they would have chosen uh, and and take that wait-see attitude. But these two young guys, man, they look very, very impressive. And I- I'm with you, man. This, this is a, a good thing for the Chicago Bears.
1: And it's it uh, it, we'll see what happens down the road here, but there's the adage that you can draft defense and pay offense. And so, and we've seen what happens whenever your top five or six guys that you have on the payroll and the five biggest contracts you have on the roster Or on the defensive side of the ball, we've seen that recently with the Chicago Bears, with Khalil Mack and Robert Mm -hmm. Quinn and Akeem Hicks and uh, Eddie Jackson. And you know what happens is those those guys get hurt and they they miss five or six games because it's their high collision high collision positions. uh, And then your highest paid players aren't on the field, and so you can pay your quarterback and pay your wide receivers. uh, You can and so and most likely they're going to be. I mean. It's football. Anybody can get hurt. But whenever you think about who can get hurt more, sometimes it's on the defensive side of the ball. And we've seen that sometimes you catch lightning in a bottle like 2018, where they were surprisingly healthy and they had an incredible uh defense and they were able to ride that throughout the year. But then what happened in 2019? People started getting mm-hmm. hurt and they, they weren't performing at the same level. So we'll see what the actual plan is here. And like like you said, I wouldn't have been mad if they took George Pickens. I love George Pickens, I think he's gonna be a great wide receiver. Am I mm-hmm. am I gonna am I gonna just let it eat at me for the next two years that kyler gordon's on this team absolutely not this is this is what cannot be changed now and i think they have a really good foundation in the defensive backfield
0: yeah. And Ryan asked the question, what should we draft first uh, in the first round next season? You know, I always start at the offensive and defensive line of scrimmage. If you can find that difference making three tech defensive tackle, you go with him. Or if you can find an offensive lineman, I love the left tackle from Northwestern. He might play interior uh, in the NFL, but any one of those uh, two positions uh, would be fantastic. Do you have a preference right now if you're just thinking about position players?
1: yeah Yeah. because i i want a wide receiver and the reason i want that and not because i think that you know yeah, yeah you're talking to a phone i love defense but,
2: <laughs> but, but
1: the the issue is look at the market if the free agent market at wide receiver it's terrible draft right. a guy and there are actually some pretty good uh uh free agents on the offensive side offensive line that they can go out and get they can go sign some guys that can contribute right away in free agency on the offensive line I'm not sure about the defensive line but I know that that's bad I know that the old market is bad at wide receiver I'm not mm-hmm. going to overpay for Alan Lazard I'm not going to overpay for Julio Jones or whoever the hell else is out there whenever the market's that bad so uh, I could take a receiver now a lot of that depends on where they're picking I mean if they're I mean if they're if they're all the receivers are gone by that point, then fine. But uh, I, I'm not I'm not really sure sh- you have to let it play out first. The Bears, everyone thought they were gonna have a top five pick, but you know, there's nine teams that have worse records than the Bears right now. So mm-hmm. we'll see how it plays
0: out. That is right. Well and Jordan says that's why the Bears would be smart to trade for a wide receiver now and draft another uh highly so you'd have I
1: understand that. I but who are you getting and, yeah. and and you know I know I know that Chase Claypool is the hot name that everyone's talking about. Uh, but you know it's there's other teams in on that too, and I don't I just don't see Ryan Poles giving up a, a two. Or uh, to, to go get Chase Claypool whenever you know Green Bay is looking for one. Although Aaron Rodgers says he wants to play with AJ Green, which is weird. I mean, apparently he's operating in you know 2014 uh, with Sammy, Sammy Watkins and Randall Cobb and AJ Green. That's a <laughs> hell of a fantasy team if you're you know 10 years ago. Uh, but uh, it's uh, it's all about who's going to be available and what are you going to give up for it. And Jerry Judy's a good name. I love his athleticism, and we'll see if the if the Broncos are willing to par- willing to part with him. Now, if Nathaniel Hackett loses. Uh, Again, on that London game on Sunday, he Mm -hmm. could be bounced and maybe the Broncos are looking to to move some things around, although they're pretty invested at the quarterback position right now. I mean, Mm -hmm. Russell Wilson, whether you like him or not, and he's not playing well right now, he is... They signed him to that contract. He's going to be there, so I, I don't know if they're going to have a 250 or a 200, whatever million, 230 million dollar quarterback and just say, you know what, we're taking all your receivers. Mm-hmm. So I, we'll, yes. we'll see. It's about who wants to actually give up a commodity at this point, and what are you, what are you going to give up for it? So um, if they could, that's great. I would think that you know maybe there's going to be a disgruntled receiver in the offseason they could maybe go after. My my go to and anyone who listens to the show, I think I say Mike Evans every time because I don't think Tom Brady's going to be in Tampa Bay next year if he's going to continue playing i think he's going to go somewhere else i think he's done in tampa bay i don't think he ever really wanted to go there in the first place but that's neither here nor there he won a super bowl but uh i, I think that there could be one of those guys that you can go out and get in the off season where you can where you might have a, a bigger uh pool to pick from
0: Mm-hmm. Well, uh, the Bears do have two fourth round draft picks now for the 2023 draft. I wonder what two fourth round picks can get you in this uh trademark in terms of a well, wide receiver. Maybe something what, pretty good
1: what'd they, what they give up for uh, Brandon Marshall? Was it is like two threes?
0: Yeah, I think it was two threes.
1: Yeah, so yeah. May, may somebody of that well, granted, he was a little more disgruntled than most were
0: uh, yeah
1: uh, <laughs> So uh we'll that was see.
0: Uh, yeah. <laughs> that was he, the people who had him what was it? Miami he was with Miami. He was with
1: Miami at that point, yeah. Yeah,
0: he was they were glad to get rid of him. You giving us what? Yeah, take him. Yeah. <laughs> All right, the final question. I love this because it is time now to start prognosticating. You know that the Cowboys are 5-2, and two and they're currently, as you said earlier in the show, a 9.5-point favorite as they welcome the Bears uh, uh, to Jerry World, right? We call it Jerry World. That's uh, So give us one of those classic, classic, classic buffoon pep talks. We haven't done this in a long time. I'm really looking forward to this. John, you did give, give the best pep talk. So give us one of those pep talks that we will then wrap and send over to Hallis Hall for the players to listen to take it away, buddy.
1: Oh, that's a lot of pressure, but listen, any given Sunday, my friends, why not? We saw a bears team take a big step forward against the Patriots against a coach that has historically eaten up young quarterbacks. And if they keep designing runs and rollouts and do some of the same things they did on Monday night, They're going to be able to score some points. Then they're getting Dak Prescott, who might still be a little rusty. And the Bears defense is only allowing about 18.9 points per game. Granted, Dallas is only allowing 14.9, but that means this could be a low scoring game that's close in the fourth quarter and could come down to a big defensive play. Why not? We've seen them do it before. The Cowboys passing attack statistically, statistically, hasn't been that much more explosive than the Bears, albeit with a backup quarterback that some were trying to make a quarterback controversy over. But I believe in momentum. I'm a believer in momentum. I believe that coming off a powerful win like that can have lasting effects. Maybe I'm being a prisoner of the moment. But why not? Who cares? Why not have some confidence? It's better than being miserable all the time and talking about why we're going to lose. So let's play the game and find out. We'll be back with more Buffon 55 right after this. Look at that fancy Buffone's basement graphic. Aldo, you got way too much time on your hands, but I love it. I love it. Now it's time for Buffone's basement where we just have a free-for-all talking some bears. And there's a lot to talk about, but nothing bigger at this moment than the trade that went down today. Robert Quinn going to Philadelphia for a fourth round pick. Uh, Aldo, we we've talked about Quinn potentially being a trade target all year and we talked about it before the season even started should they trade robert quinn his stock was never going to be higher coming off an 18 and a half uh sack season last year he's 32 years old should they see what they can get for him um now they probably could have got more if they would have sold then probably got more than a fourth round pick but it's hard you know when you have a young team like that and you see the kind of reaction that roquan smith has to uh robert quinn being traded where he gets emotional on the podium with Robert Quinn leaving town, that shows you the impact that he had as far as his leadership, showing people how to be a professional. Um, so he did bring that uh, as much as he did not bring the stats that we were hoping that he would bring along with it. But uh, what was your initial reaction to the, the Quinn trade?
0: Well, uh, before I will give you that, let's take a look at Roquan and his breakdown at the podium today. Yeah.
2: What's, what do you make of Robert's time here? And what he was Man.
0: Do yeah, man. Sucks. Um yeah, like yeah <clears throat> I'm gonna take a second for a second if you don't mind
2: sure.
1: no, I have a great deal of respect for that guy, you know,
0: damn, crazy. John that says a lot I mean that says so much and so that's why I'm a little bit concerned about this team at a point where we're coming off such a huge victory to add this disruption to the locker room seems like man I wish it was timed differently, and uh, so it might impact this uh, the performance of the team against the Dallas Cowboys. Now, in the bigger picture, yes, I, I, I'm glad they got some draft capital mm-hmm. for a guy who doesn't figure into their long-term plans, but I wonder, I just wonder, is this young general manager – not getting the best uh, return on trades as perhaps somebody more experienced would be. The trade for Khalil Mack didn't really result in the kind of uh, uh, payback that I expected for a guy of Khalil Mack's stature, and I understand the uh, the extenuating circumstances, but the Bears picked up part of Mack's salary. Now they're going to pick up part of Quinn's salary. I was in the DM with uh, some Bears fans, and I said, Man, why not, why don't you just say to them, "Listen, I'm going to send you my third round draft pick and Robert Quinn, I'm going to pick up Uh, as much as I can out of his salary that's a CBA will allow, and then we flip picks. You give me that low first-round draft pick, and then when they say no, all right, then give me that second-round draft pick, and I'll give you a fourth-round pick, Quinn, and pay his salary. Something like that, to me, would have been a better return on investment than getting a sole fourth-rounder that hopefully we'll hit on and possibly we won't, so we'll see.
1: Well, it's – it comes down to what the market is as well. I mean, it's if, if you're Philadelphia and you're already undefeated and you're already playing really well and some, and the bears are trying to pull leverage on you and say, give us a better pick. You're like, no, we're actually doing fine without him. This would be a great luxury item to add to our defense, but we'll give you this. And if not go find someone else that'll give you something better. And if there's not, then it's like, Oh crap. All right. All right then uh, now, now, if they would have traded him earlier, like before the season, what do they get for him? Do they get a third, do they get a third round pick and then they don't have to eat the salary? If someone is, you know, a, they think they're a pass rusher away and this guy's coming off 18 and a half sacks. And he set a, you know, a franchise record of, of sacks going into, you know, September, do they, do you get a third? And then they, and that team, you know, takes on the contract. I don't, I, Who's to say? I mean, we can we can we can debate that back and forth without ever really knowing. Uh, but the fact of the matter is, they're getting a fourth round pick. They are eating the salary now. There's. I want to. I don't know the 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 specific details of this of how much money is being paid. They're, they say the majority thing. I don't think they're paying any of his. Are they paying any of his salary for next year? Uh, because uh yeah, I feel the like-
0: way uh, the way it looks like, I, I've got a uh, a tweet from. Uh, Uh, pro football focus is uh, Brad who does the salary cap stuff for them. He says the max the bears could retain is $6.4 million with a minimum salary traveling to Philadelphia. And that's what the bears did. That was still, that was the only way this was getting done. A fourth is a great return. Bears are still saving $622,000 heading to Philly from not rolling over into 2023. John, I'm not a math major. I'm not a finance major. My wife handles all that. Do you know what that means?
1: (laughs) There's a a reason there's an Esquire behind his, after his name there. (laughs) And so, and and why he understands it a lot better than I do. Uh, But uh, when it comes down to brass tacks, I feel like, I feel like they're, they wouldn't have done this unless they're going to save some money against the cap next year. And also what this eventually does is you see what you got in young players like Travis Gibson and uh, and Robinson, where who's who's shown flashes this year. So uh, I I feel like this is a dress rehearsal for a lot of guys going into the draft. And you, when we're talking about wh- what they're going to attack in the draft, what positions they should be prioritizing as they as they're getting ready, because there's a good amount of holes here that they need to that they need to fill. And so if they feel like Robinson and Gibson are hey these are guys that can play we gave him we gave them half the season to play they really rose to the occasion uh then then you're taken care of there so uh we'll see um a fourth rounder doesn't sound sexy and I know that the second didn't sound sexy for Khalil Mack either but it's a guy that missed a lot of time last year and you and you you're probably you're trying to feel and he has a huge contract so you're trying to figure out what you can get for him and once again it all comes down to the market if if, if you have if there's a bunch of teams that are desperate for a wide receiver right now, and you have someone like a chase Claypool and, you know, green Bay's desperate for one, and you know that, well, the bears, I don't know how much of a buyer they're really going to be. Uh, but but uh, if you have other contending teams who are because of injury for other circumstances, need a receiver, then of course it's going to price, it's going to push the price up. But if there's mm-hmm. not a demand for that, it's just, you're not going to get as much as you think what he's worth. And so I think polls made a decision here that he needs to get a look, at some of uh these other guys that are on the roster. And you can flip that. A fourth rounder is not just, you know, a throwaway. I mean, there's plenty of guys that go in the fourth rounder are great. Eddie Jackson's a fourth sure. rounder. There's okay. a you can you can find a starting uh, a positional player in the 4th round and now you have two and if Poles wants to move up and find, get another second round pick then he can flip two of those fourths into something or it just gives you more bargaining chips going into the off season. And Absolutely. so uh, we'll see we'll see what he what the plan is because I don't think that Ryan Poles just does things for the sake of doing them. I think that there's I I'm giving him I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt that he has a lot of calculations behind some of these things and there's a reason why. So, uh we'll see how it plays out.
0: Yeah, and Jordan asked, you know, why am I so disappointed? Quinn wasn't going to be paid his bonus to stay on the roster next season. I just think that there could have been a bigger return on investment. Let's remember, the Eagles' fourth-round draft pick, Is really a fifth round pick because they're going to be going to the Super Bowl or the uh, the NFC Championship. I mean, this team looks like it's the best team in the NFC, so it's a fifth round pick. Uh, So, you know, there's there's nothing wrong with a fifth round pick, but a third rounder would have been better. Uh, And that's what I would have said. Ryan Poles in his press conference gave a shout-out uh, to uh, Cunningham. I'm forgetting his uh, – Ian Cunningham, the assistant general manager, because of his relationship with Harry Roseman, and he was working on the deal for a long time and so forth. And so I'm just wondering, I'm just wondering, is that the best guy to negotiate with, your old buddy and so forth? Your te- The teacher, uh, the pupil is, is making a trade with the teacher? I'm just wondering if there could have been a better return on investment. I don't know, but um, – <laughs>
1: He's a 32 year old with one sack and he's a high with a big contract and, and Mm -hmm. and you know, guys fall off a cliff real quick in this league sometimes. And so, and and you're not going to trade for what he did last year. You're trading for what he can do for the rest of this year. And so far he hasn't, he hasn't shown that he's going to be an absolute game record Now, I believe I talked about this either the last week or the week before Quinn had uh, like, I think 12 sacks in the last eight games last year. He really turned it on in the, in the latter part of the season. Maybe he's just a slow starter in his age. He needs to do a little, he's a stretch a little bit. He needs, he needs to get ready for the, you know, the, the, the late push of the season. So he very well, he very well may, you know, be a yeah. great addition to that Philadelphia defense. And he may, you know, average a, a sack a game or whatever. Uh, but I think for what you're paying for, you're not going to go, you're not going to look at a guy who is, you know, in his thirties and has one sack this year and say, you know what, we're going to have a second round pick for that guy because he's not going to be on their team next year. They're not going to pick, they're not, they're not going to, they're not going to pick up his, his contract for the next year. What is he owed? Like $15 million, $16 or million, whatever it is. Right. Uh, he's a rental. I feel like this guy's a rental because his guaranteed money's gone. Like it's all taken care of after this year. And so they're paying for a guy to help them with the Super Bowl rush or Super bowl push. He's a Von Miller, so to speak, but not, Vaughn Miller was much better whenever he got traded to the to the Rams. So mm-hmm. uh, I I get it. I'm not I'm not angry about the return. Well, I would have loved a third rounder because, like you said, it's going to be a high pick in that round. But mm-hmm. I mean I mean it is it is what it is.
0: Yeah. Uh, By the way, uh, Jordan is mocking me, saying I have a lot of faith in 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 uh, Jalen Hurts. Uh, and yeah, I do. I, I I loved him coming out of Alabama. I, I thought he was going to be... Uh, that, you remember, John? I, I remember, there. yeah. You were, he, was a, he was a big killer <laughs> <calendar>, guy, yeah. <laughs> exactly. And uh, he's he's taken that Justin Fields development course, and and he's had the different head coaches and, and so forth that has retarded his, his progress, but... The guy is being mentioned as an NSC MVP candidate. So, yeah, I do have a lot of faith in Jalen Hurts, and I have a lot of faith in that entire squad and that organization. So, as much as I hate to say it, especially to John Buffon, who lives not too far from Philadelphia and has heard enough praise for the Eagles, um, I, I, I think that's the, that's the reality.
1: Yeah, 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 and uh you know we're talking about you know th- obviously this is the big news of the day, and so of of course the the very next thing is well who else could be on the trade block, and so I don't foresee anyone else being traded from this team this year, but I could be wrong. Aldo, what do you think?
0: Yeah, I agree with you. I I think you know everybody's talking about David Montgomery perhaps being moved because this is the last year of his contract and so forth. And Ryan Poles told the media, I love he's one of my favorite players. On the Chicago Bears when he met with the media, uh, yesterday or Monday night, uh, before the game, and so it would be another huge, huge blow. You, you think Roquan Smith was emotional at, at, at the press conference if they were to move David Montgomery? Oh, my goodness! Oh, yeah. I mean, this guy's a team leader, he's a team captain. Uh, I agree with a tweet from Neil Stopchinski today. You don't you don't trade your team leaders like that. And Robert Quinn was a team leader, but he was a quiet team leader. David Montgomery has, you know, he got even praise from George McCaskey last season. So I'd be shocked if they trade uh, David Montgomery and then as for his prospects, Montgomery's prospects of being re-signed doubtful but I bet they'll tell him listen go out in the market see what you can get and if we can match it we will and so we'll see what happens I know they like him a lot
1: yeah Yeah. I'm on the the same wavelength there where I I think that they're going to let him test the market after this year uh, because but they're the the running back pool in free agency is much deeper than wide receiver so he's not going to go and get a huge contract this year but I don't think you trade him either because You are if you trade him and then Khalil Herbert gets hurt, then you're a running team with Ebner as your number one, and and that's 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 going to set you back. Like you you like to have that one two punch with Khalil Herbert and and, uh, David Montgomery, and if if that's your bread and butter, and let's just say they let's just say they pick up a win, and Mm -hmm. you're going up on the trade deadline, and you're coming off of some pretty pretty uh promising even if they they go out and they punch the Cowboys in the mouth and they lose a close game but they you know they run the ball well basically if you trade David Montgomery you're saying hey guys we're, we're completely punting on the season and I know that they're not going anywhere you and I know that you and I know they're not going to the playoffs everyone knows they're not going to win a championship this year but to, but to, to rip that heart out of the locker room you know midway through the season it, it would be would be tough because you're basically saying hey you guys that have been putting all this on the line for the, for this team this year, screw it. We're going to get rid of this guy. And then, you know, we're just going to, everything's going to be on Khalil Herbert. And then he could potentially, if he gets hurt, then what do you, then you're a run team without running back. Exactly. <laughs> and so i to be
0: very careful. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if they're true to the word that they are rebuilding, but it's one of those rebuilds where they expect to win, you can't, trade the key guys to your offense and I know in one of our earlier shows today uh, Chubbs was on he was saying well I wouldn't mind it because Herbert is is really the number one he's a better back I think part of the reason that Herbert is so effective is because he doesn't have to play as many downs in that David Montgomery they're basically splitting the carries right down the middle as you mentioned uh, uh, John in fact this is uh, Iberflus was asked about a, a couple of weeks ago he said they will play whoever has the hot hand and there was he was asked to as he reevaluated that yeah just we really like the one-two punch there um and we're going to continue to do that uh they both bring an added element to the game for us so we're going to keep using both guys and uh we, we feel that's a, a real strength for us on our running game you know and in the passing game so we're excited about having both those guys uh, for us yeah, I'd be surprised if Montgomery's moves, moved. I would, frankly, I'm surprised. Uh, you know that I'd be surprised if there are any more moves. What
1: about and what do we even talk about it because it's not sexy, but pass blocking. If you're if you're gonna if you're gonna move off David Montgomery, are you are you're good with just Khalil uh, Khalil Herbert being back there? Being you're worried about the the health of your franchise quarterback or the your 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 highly drafted quarterback. you and you're you're gonna get rid of your best pass blocking back. I don't I don't know about that. So it's. No. I I don't I don't foresee any other um I don't foresee any other uh, any <laughs> other moves going into the trade deadline and to to uh explain why not a championship this year. <laughs> Why not a champion? I hope they do. I mean, I'll be, I'll be cheering for it, but I mean, what's uh, I'm trying to be realistic while being positive. <laughs> and right now uh, I don't think they're in a position to win a championship, but I'll be rooting for them to win every week. So let's, let's see if that can happen.
0: Yeah, uh, and, uh, I'll, please I'll, explain, I don't I'll, know
1: how much more I have to explain, but yeah,
0: I'll add to that. I, I just don't think they have championship personnel yet. Um, I, I think they're getting closer now. Who knows this ragtag muffin group that he's put together. I mean, who, who are you talking about here? Equinemius St. Brown, Dante Pettis, uh, <laughs> and are your second and third weapons, uh, at, at, at pass catching The kill Harry, a failed first round draft pick with the Patriots. It, that's why we are, we're doubtful that they're going to make it to the playoffs. They don't have a roster that is worthy of withstanding the storm of 17 regular season games. And they're already off to a bad start with not having won an NFC contest. So, Ah, uh, so they've got two or three teams ahead of them in the wild card standings. It's going to be very, very difficult. But hell, well, John and I are going to be cheering for them to win every hell single yeah. day.
1: Yeah. No, I don't <laughs> never, I never cheer for them to lose, and uh... <laughs> Cliff Victoria's comment made me laugh. Wait for the Buffalo game, and that question will be answered.
0: Well <laughs> done, Cliff.
1: Yeah, uh, but but yeah. So let's let's move on to the the, the uh, roster as it's constructed now. Mm-hmm. I do want to talk about the offensive line because Lucas Patrick gets moved to IR, which means your boy Sam Mustipher is back
2: in. in- <laughs>
1: uh, so yeah, this so. This guy has nine lives with the Chicago Bears, man. He just he's, 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 he's back. Uh, so, what are your prospects for this offensive line? I saw I saw the Saint Saint Omni. We're an hour in, and no one's calling for Alex Leatherwood. So, <laughs> but,
2: uh,
1: what 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 are you feeling? What's your what are you how are you feeling about the offensive line?
0: Listen, it's it's definitely not the best offensive line, and it's definitely not the worst offensive line. Because if you are saying they're the worst, and you really haven't looked at too many other NFL games. the The fact of the matter is, is that at college uh, schools uh, football programs are not churning out great offensive linemen like they used to, because it's they they don't coach it well. It's all you know this high flying offense, you know. So what the Bears have developed here with great offensive line coaching from Morgan is a fairly solid group. When you look at the analytics and you see that they're the eighth best team at winning in their pass blocking, and that means holding the defender for at least 2.5 seconds, they're the eighth best team at that. You know that this that there, there are 20, what, 20 other <laughs> worst teams. I, I can't do math. <laughs> yeah, and, we're, and
1: we're trying to figure out Robert Smith's or Robert Smith, I can't even say his name. Robert Quinn's uh, uh, his contract and what's over. We can't even count to twenty in this show.
0: But <laughs> uh, you know, I, I I just feel like uh, with clever scheming, you know, uh, you stay away from the Parsons, you roll away from them, you you know, you do certain things as an offensive coordinator to help your offensive line. You get rid of the ball quickly and so forth. I think that this team has an adequate offensive line until we can replenish that position in the offseason.
1: Yeah, uh, I think that this is going to be a big area of address. They're going to address this in the off season. I think that they're going to go after and they're going to spend some money on the offensive line. Now, I think that they they're, they could be drafting high on their uh, drafting a, a lineman high as well. But I think they're going to spend some money. I think there's this is the year that they're going to put in a wall in front of Justin Fields at least i hope so i'm trying to be positive about this but i really think that this is the year they're going to go out spend some money on the offensive line and say hey kid kind of like what kind of like what we saw with Tua in Miami they're going to hopefully bring in some wide receivers and bring in a, a, a couple of linemen that says okay it's on you now now it's mm-hmm. on we we put these we put this stuff around you let's see uh if you're if you're going to be the guy so i would hope that this is they can keep this together and scheme their way into like what you were saying, scheme away from some of the teams and scheme away and scheme away from the weaknesses. Uh, but that's only going to get you so far, uh, in, in this game. So, uh, we'll see. Uh, it, you know, the, the biggest thing that I heard today, the big, the, the biggest news outside of the Robert Quinn news, uh, some of the biggest news I heard today was supposedly the Bears are wearing their orange uniforms again this week
0: and, and the so, orange helmets. Yes, and the
1: orange helmets now. I didn't go over very well last time.
0: Um, it's going to change now, John. I, I believe understand.
1: It. It's Halloween, so you're going to wear the all orange. I love, <laughs> like I said, orange is my favorite color. I love, I love orange. And but uh, I'm also kind of superstitious. And uh, think I didn't, I didn't necessarily love uh, how they looked on the field as far as their performance goes while wearing those orange jerseys. How do you feel about the orange jerseys?
0: Well, I, I, I'm not real happy about it because of the same reason. I, I am a, a little bit superstitious when it comes to that down to that. But here's the saving grace. The Cowboys are going to be wearing those hideous blue top jerseys. They're not going to be wearing the white and silver, the, their classic look. So they're going to be wearing, which is really weird that they decided to do that for a home game. Do solid
1: colors on the field?
0: Uh, yeah. yeah. The, yeah. The, so it's very, very, very strange. Um. I, I don't know what's behind that, but I re- I read that report from Patrick Filia, the Sun-Times, via Twitter that the, those were the uniforms that will be weights, wear, worn. And so I'm interested in seeing those two solid colors going up against one another. And let's hope, you know, it's Halloween, so it's time to break superstitions. Is is that really something? I don't know. I just I, made you up. made that
1: up, but I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll roll with it. Uh, I love that, uh, actually, uh, Toreen Whitfield, I love that hopefully they wear navy pants. That, I would like that, if they wore the navy pants with the orange that would that would really uh, that would really uh, spark. And we talked about this before. I, I just want to see the all whites, white pants, white jerseys, ah, blue navy blue helmet with the white C. I, I just I just want it one time, one time. He, Hopefully he's... against a team who they can beat, so it does so it, does, <laughs> it doesn't have a some kind of superstition against it. But uh, we we're talking we talk a lot about you know we were talking about the you know the, the trade market and what could happen and you know the offseason. I want to talk about the division a little bit because it's a really the NFC North is not that strong of a division it's, it's really it's really not it's it's not a powerhouse and it's not top heavy like it used to be with Green Bay being this juggernaut that's insurmountable look at them they're very beatable and so that it, we're talking about all oh, the Rogers is upset about everything and is he gonna is he really gonna stick with this team he could just retire and say you're not giving me enough I'm out of here how about this we're talking about hypotheticals and I just love throwing that out here and since this is a Bears podcast we are somewhat emotionally invested in the demise of the Packers, and so what if the Packers hypothetically just fall apart and they're, they're seven and 10 this year and -hmm. they have a relatively high draft pick. Mm -hmm. What do you think? Do you think that this is the year where we saw that they're not ready to go to Jordan Love? They're not there. I don't think they have any confidence in this guy being the future because they would have already been there with this. I think they've had enough of Aaron Rodgers uh, temperament. And if they thought Jordan Love was going to be the guy, he'd already be in there. Kind of like what we saw with Brett Favre. And they kind of push him out the door to say, "Okay, this is Rodgers team now. And so we've seen this story play out before. Um, Mm -hmm. Let's just say they have a relatively high draft pick, you know, 10, 11, 12. Does Green Bay say, all right, screw it? We're drafting our next quarterback. And then all of a sudden they go out and they get a they get a first round quarterback. And you know, Aaron, you know, we we know how Aaron Rodgers would react to that. He might retire or he might throw a, a hissy fit about something or whatever. But what could happen if the 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 do you think that's a possibility where the Packers just say, I don't know if we're ever gonna bottom out like this again. Let's see if we can get a first-round quarterback, and this is going to be our future because Rodgers obviously is not playing at an MVP level this year. Granted, the weapons aren't great. But uh, what do you think that could potentially happen? Uh,
0: John, my brain just went – because I have not thought about that. And if that were to happen – You know, people who cover the NFL and the Green Bay Packers and national media would love that storyline, the drama. You know, will Aaron Rodgers report to camp? Will he retire? Will he demand the trade? Well, you know, and who, you know, will Jordan Love be in camp to compete against the new rookie quarterback? It's a great story. I hope it happens. And I truly do believe that this Green Bay Packers team is in trouble. One of the things that people were talking most about this Packer team was their defense coming into the season. Well, they're not playing nearly up to expectations. And then you've got a quarterback who is basically throwing his – Teammates under the bus. He's on the uh on his regular podcast, and he talked about the players who have been missing assignments that they should be benched and so forth. Who does that? What leader does that? What quarterback does that? Not, I've never seen that in the NFL before. And I truly believe, I, I'm truly starting to wonder whether Aaron Rodgers isn't purposely trying to sabotage the Green Bay Packers because of something that was said to him by management. I mean, they've they've gone back and forth at it. I just I don't trust that guy now you know he's just a fishy, super suspicious character who is who's only wants to feed his own ego so i I, you know hey i hope that i hope they lose every game the rest of the way they draft another quarterback and all that drama unfolds right in front of my eyes
1: (laughs) yeah i don't think that he is one of those and i'm going to be diplomatic about this i don't feel like he is one of those guys that is the nurturing type to young players where it's like it's my job to take you under my wing he's not a Ryan Fitzpatrick he's not a you know uh, he's not a McCown he's not one of those guys is just like what's good for the what's good for the goose is good for the gander kind of thing so I'm gonna I'm gonna look out for you I'm gonna take you under my wing and show you something he's more along the lines of I'm gonna come do my job and I'm gonna be the best at it and you better be on my level or I'm gonna start screaming at you and I think To an extent, Brady might have a little bit of that in him, too, where he's he's so meticulous about his preparation. He expects everyone to be on that level. Uh, But this is not going to I don't know. if I don't think this is going to end well in Green Bay because he's another year closer to 40. Uh, I don't know what wide receiver they're going to bring in. Like you said, the defense that everyone talked about, you know, possibly being the best defense in the NFL has not performed up to that level. We saw the Bears being able to run the ball on them. So I. I'm I'm throwing this out because I don't think that they're going to go seven and 10, but there, there is, there is that real possibility that things could bottom out and that they could have a relatively high draft pick. And if green Bay thinks, Hey, we may not be in this position again, or if they really love one of the prospects coming out and they say, we got to go get this guy. And you know what? Roger's going to play this yo-yo act every year. Am I retiring? Am I not? Am I reporting? Am I not? And and eventually you just got to be like, Hey, we brought this guy in. He's going to play. He's going to play after you're done and and and, mm-hmm. and who knows uh but it's it's just interesting because this division is going to be wide open i think for the foreseeable future and minnesota has some players they look they're good but you know you go as far as kirk cousins will take you and you don't know how long he'll be in minnesota or what direction they want to go there uh detroit was you know they were this you know scrappy team that everyone was you know fell in love with on hard knocks but you, you see what happens there. And so this is this division is not it's it's not, you know, you know, a, a slobber knocker. It's not it's not a demolition derby. It's a bunch of teams that are just trying to aspire to be above average at this point. So it's it's uh, it's, it's it's anyone's division. If the Bears make the proper adjustments, they're going to be in pretty good shape because they have a ton of cap room and yep. they're going to they're going to be able to operate pretty well next year.
0: When Poles made that proclamation, take the North and not let it go. I mean, that could happen a lot sooner than even he expected, um, given, you know, how he wants to build this team. So, who knows? Uh, you know, and they, like you said about the Vikings, uh, loaded with talent and so forth. But when you look at what they have not been able to accomplish the last few years with relatively the same talent, obviously some, some key different uh, uh, positions, but – players at at certain positions but nonetheless they have just always failed to capitalize with the talent that they have i wouldn't be at all be surprised that i don't know their schedule offhand but i wouldn't be at all be surprised if they lost two or three games and all of a sudden there was a compression of this uh division uh where the bears could potentially be a couple of games out by mid-season and um who knows? Uh although I am really shocked, as you mentioned about the Detroit Lions, I'm really shocked is yeah. Domber, not here, but that team has talent. Uh, it's just the head coach. I, I've said it from day one. I don't trust that guy. I don't know if he really knows what he's doing. He's a rah-rah guy, he's not a thinker, and you need thinkers uh at the head coaching position and good CEOs. And he just, you know, when a guy is 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 doing push-ups with his players and then, you know, needs 20 minutes to c- 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 capture his breath during practice. I don't think that's a good idea, but I'm old-fashioned. That, that yeah. would be
1: me. You know what? That would be me as a head coach, although And I'm not – and that's why I'd be a terrible head coach. But, like, that would, that would, I, for a number of reasons, that just being one of them, probably not the first reason, but one of the reasons I would not be a good head coach yeah. because I'd be out there – I'd like, I'd be like, push it. i see, I can do more push-ups than you. I can do more up-downs than you. And then I'd throw up in the corner, and I'm like, oh, I missed – 45 minutes of practice. So it would, uh, it probably would. I, I get it.
0: Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, no, but, you know. And then remember in Hard Knocks, where the position coaches, uh, Deuce Staley, and uh, I forgot the other guy, um, they, they're basically competing against one another. Yeah. And at least that's the way it was edited by HBO, that it seemed that they were much more interested in, in having bragging rights over their unit than they were in, in coaching their players up. I don't like camps like that. I don't like coaching. Coaching staffs like that. I I like I love the way Matt Eberflus is running this team and how he stresses the relationship between the position coach and the players. Those position coaches become friends and mentors and teachers and confidants of the players and really really good teachers. And that's been part of the reason for the Bears' success of the season.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and uh, I I saw I'm I'm not counting the Packers out uh, because I'm I, I know that the second that I say this they're gonna rip off like ten straight wins and I'm gonna look like a jackass after this <laughs> but uh, but uh, it, but for the first time you really see like you you kind of think that hey. This isn't one of those. Remember, it was a couple of years ago where the whole relax, the whole Aaron Rodgers relax, and you still had Devontae Adams, and you know they they came back and they they had a, they were had a successful season, depending on your you know view of success. So uh, I don't know if this team has that kind of resiliency or that kind of firepower. I don't know if they have that kind of uh, juice on offense. Just be like, you know what, we're gonna get it together, and when we do, we have some of the best talent in the NFL. I, I just, I don't think they do at this point. So that's why the reason I um I keep you know bringing this up is because I it's this is the division that you know. Is gonna, I think, there's gonna be up for grabs for Justin Fields and the Bears next year, uh, and you know, anything could happen. Maybe this year. Uh, but, <laughs> you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to tiptoe too far out. I'm trying, <laughs> I'm trying this positivity thing out, but I don't want to, yeah. I don't want to jump in head first. It's, a, it's
2: gonna, a good look for you. Yeah, I just
1: want uh, <laughs> my big toe in there, just see how the water is, and then we'll, we'll see if somebody pushes me in on Sunday. Uh,
2: but, but I, I way let's, putting it.
0: yeah,
1: let, let's start. Uh, let's start wrapping things up here. Before we get out of here, Aldo, what do you think? Um, what do you think about this game against Dallas? I think nine and a half points is crazy to me. I, I think that that's like, that's a big spread for the NFL, and that's giving a mm-hmm. lot of credit to the Dallas Cowboys. What do you think?
0: Well, I won uh, a couple nickels uh, with the uh, Bears Patriots. I took the eight and a half points I was getting, and so I'm going to do the same thing against the Cowboys. I just believe. And this coaching staff, I believe that Allen Williams is going to figure out a way to contain the Cowboys offense. Ezekiel Elliott is now doubtful for the game, although the official uh, report hasn't come out, but you know, there's some been some reports that there's some concerns as to whether he will play Sunday. That's going to help the bears. If They can get a pass rush on Dak Prescott. um, I think that the defense could hold them to a reasonable number and, I like what Luke Getze is learning to do with his prize uh, quarterback. is a very athletic quarterback, so it should at the very least be a close game. I always hate to predict wins and losses and stuff, but hell, I'm going to go out on a limb and say, I, I think the, the, the Bears could provide a really big surprise victory here, and this town is going to start to go nuts.
1: I... I- like that positivity and i'm going to try to stay in that same lane there uh i think i think nine and a half is crazy uh i i'm get all i'm if you're a betting person i would say get all over that because that just that just seems like a crazy amount of points uh and i and i like what they did with fields last week or again against the Patriots and now I know there's there's they put film on it now and the Cowboys are going to be able to see what they did and try to pre- prepare for that because that was kind of a different thing that they did maybe the Patriots didn't have a lot of uh, tape on you know those design runs and things like that but I, I really do think this is going to be a close game in the fourth quarter and I think that this is going to come down to a, a big turnover or a big defensive play or a big hold or a missed field goal which I don't anticipate happening for the Bears because I love Cairo Santos and I I think that he's about as automatic as it comes. So I think that they will have a real opportunity to win this game. I, I, I we could be eaten crow after the game, but I really, really do think that they're going to have an opportunity to win this game late, late in the fourth quarter. Uh, and depending on whether it's the offense or defense, they just need to come up with a big play.
0: Huh. Maybe the most accurate uh, prediction uh, that I see in the chat room, John, is this one from that <laughs> <laughs> the Bears will probably get jobbed by the officiating. <laughs> well. <laughs> I'll tell you, good John, good. I was really upset. After uh, the Monday night game, I couldn't sleep, so I watched the Manning cast of the show and uh, of the game. And one of the things that really popped out were those two non-calls on Justin Fields. He runs out of bounds, and yeah. he's easily uh, roughed up. And no call. And then he's sandwiched by those two players and no call again. I just feel like I, I hate to be that guy that's complaining about the officials and they don't pay, you know, they don't respect my player. I hate to be that guy. But, man, oh, man, it's just, it just seems like almost every game there's at least one call against Justin Fields that it's not called.
1: Yeah. He's going to have to probably make an NFC championship game before he starts getting those calls. I guess that's, (laughs) I guess that's how you you have to, you have to earn the cachet to get those calls or whatever. But uh, I, yeah, I I absolutely thought you look at some of those hits. You're just like, how are they calling flags on some of these other plays? And then that one's legit. Like, it's just like some of the, some of these, you know, real soft roughing the passer calls. It's just like, how is that roughing the passer? And then this one is Mm -hmm. not, and it's, that's what happens when it's such a subjective call. Now I think they, they they've turned roughing the passer into such a subjective call where it really depends on who's holding the flag at that particular moment. And I don't like that. I don't like that there's subject. Now there's always going to be a bit of subjectivism in refereeing, but they're <laughs> increasing it by continuously tinkering with the rules or putting emphasis on rules. that they you know putting emphasis on things? Uh, that that's uh, that that's uh, I, I I just don't like it.
0: Mm, I don't like it either, but we will see, and we will be covering it right here on the Barroom Network immediately after the game. It's John, it's Danny Shimon, it's Tyler Ellis on Bear Football, and they'll also provide a halftime report. And I also want to tell people that immediately after this, not immediately after I'm going to – this is gonna be the third wardrobe change. I wore something different for the Gabriel show this morning. I wore, I'm wearing this for this show, and now I'm gonna go upstairs and put on a different T-shirt, maybe a different hat. My third wardrobe change, because, because I love my audience. I want to give them something.
1: <laughs> I think, <laughs> I think you just, when people are watching the shows individually on YouTube, they just don't want you. They, you don't want people to see that. Like, Does this dude ever leave his freedom studio?
0: Like, <laughs> That's his, right. His, <laughs> he never with- changes clothes. Yeah, <laughs>
1: he, he's, every time I see a show, he's wearing the same thing does this guy shower so, i i get that you're you're trying to give the fans you know a different look now you just you don't you don't want to seem like you're just not taking care of yourself yes
0: yes and yes i want a wardrobe allowance from management saying um, work on that and you're my financial advisor yeah but put then, it, it, it. It. There you go. Danny is uh, going to do a great job breaking down some Justin Fields tape. Uh, we're going to have conversations uh, about the progression that we're seeing from Fields and um, and then also open it up for for questions with uh, Danny Shimon, who loves to break down tape. So when I sent him a bunch of stuff today, he was in heaven. So it's going to be a fun show.
1: Uh, do we got a bear debate this week?
0: No, we don't, but we will have uh, next week. Uh, we took a couple of weeks off to recharge some batteries, and uh, so we'll be back next week with a couple of great guests that have tentatives yes- yeses on that.
1: Excellent stuff. Well, that will do it for this edition of Buffon 55. We appreciate everybody tuning in, whether it's the live version, the podcast version, the audio version, or the video version. Appreciate each and every one of you. I can't believe people are still listening to this show six years after we started. It just blows my mind, and I love the community that we have in the chat room is most of the time, it's always, I should say, it's always respectful. It's always a great conversation. I love everyone uh, throwing their questions in and their comments in. We have a lot of fun here. So I really do appreciate that. I really appreciate each and every one of you. So uh, we'll, we'll we'll move on to a, hopefully another victory Sunday and Monday and then next victory Wednesday when Buffon 55 is back. But that will do it for this edition of Buffon 55. For Aldo Gondia, I'm John Buffon. We'll see you next time.
0: Bye-bye.
2: Oops.